Yeah, who's come to True Stories? This is your first time in True Stories. Yeah, you're all welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. We are very excited to have uh, our friend Emma with us. She's just talking to the sound man, so I'll, I'll pretend that she's not ready yet. So she's in deep conversation about how to use a microphone. Uh, it's been a great week in True Stories, hasn't it? Because it's just hearing people's stories of how Jesus has impacted their life. And we're so blessed to have Emma with us. She's come all the way down to speak in this seminar today. So can we give her a massive round of applause? Hello, everybody. Um, I'm pretty excited to be here. I'm excited to see all of you, but I'm also excited to get out of our car. We live in Eastbourne, and we've got a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and at the minute, we're potty training her. So I've been in a car for seven hours that smells of poo with my daughter, and it's just been, it's been really bad. So this is just lovely. Today, I'm going to talk to you a bit about mental health. And... I don't know about you, but whenever I was growing up, I always thought that Christians were people who had it all together. So Christians were perfect people. Christians are people who are all fixed. They're the kind of people who help old ladies cross the road. You know, they never shout at their kids or their dogs. They're kind and generous, and they give blood, and and they don't have problems. That's what I thought Christians were like. They don't get ashamed. They don't feel depressed. They don't struggle with things like self-harm. They don't struggle with things like obsessive-compulsive disorder. They don't struggle with things like eating disorders. Um, They don't struggle with things like panic attacks. But that's a problem for me because I've struggled with all of those different things. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you a bit about my story. But first, something much more important. What I've learned is that Jesus doesn't come for perfect people. Jesus comes for people who are messed up. In Luke 5, Jesus says, I haven't come for the people who are fixed and who have it all together. I haven't come for the people who are healthy. I have come for the people who are messed up. And I've come for the people who are sick. That's who Jesus comes for, not the shiny people. And the Bible says that the messed up people isn't one or two folks like me who have got special issues. The Bible says that everybody is messed up. So if you look right at the beginning, at Genesis 3, you probably know the story of Adam and Eve, right? First humans, God puts them in the garden. Uh, he He gives them everything they need, and it's not enough. They still want more. He says, don't eat this fruit. And what do they do? They go, we're hungry. We want the fruit. And they stuff it down them. What happens then? They're hungry. They realize they've sinned. So they get anxious. They start to panic. And they try and take control of the situation. They say, God's going to find out. We need to fix ourselves. We need to hide behind fig leaves. And we need to hide ourselves as well. But it doesn't work. God knows what's happened. So then they get angry. They shout at each other. They blame one another. And then God throws them out of the garden. And they get really despairing. They get depressed. The thing is, it's not just Adam and Eve who feel hungry and angry and sad and ashamed and scared. It's every single one of us. Every single one of us have those feelings and every single one of us try to fix it in different ways. We try to fix it in ways that aren't looking to God. Now, I'm going to tell you a wee bit about me trying to fix it and some of the issues that I've had. When I was, um, whenever I was growing up as a wee girl, 
I don't know what your friends would say about you. Maybe you're a sporty person. Maybe everybody knows you because you're really good at football. Or maybe you are someone who is really fashionable. Maybe you're somebody who always knows what the latest thing is. Or maybe you're, uh, you're great in box sets or, or whatever. For me, when I was wee, my thing was that I was good at being good. So whenever I was three or four, on my first day at nursery school, same age as my daughter, I ran in and there was a sandpit there. And all the other kids were playing and chucking sand at each other. But I got in there, I chased them all out, and then I made all the lines, and I collected up all the sand and made sure it was all safe and tidy. And I spent the rest of the day tidying the sandpit and guarding it so no one could get in. Because I'm someone who likes things to be neat and tidy and within a box. I like keeping rules. I want to be good. I want to know where I stand. And as a wee girl, that worked okay for me. But when I hit 12 or 13, a couple of things started to change. And those things, these things might sound small to you, but for me, they were really big. So the first thing was, um, we, we, I moved schools, and I went from a little uh, mixed school to a girls' school, which was really scary, and I got bullied, and it was horrible. Every day, I felt like I'm a loser. I have no friends. Everybody hates me. This is awful. At the same time, we moved house, but the house we were moving to wasn't ready, so we went to live with my granny for a wee bit. And I love my granny. I wish every one of you could have met her. She's an amazing woman. She's like my best friend. But I didn't want to share her bed, and I had to because there wasn't very much room. And I felt like there was too much of me. I felt like um, my body was changing because I was becoming, I was growing up, but it wasn't changing like the women I saw on TV or in magazines. I looked all wrong. Everything about me felt wrong. And my granddad died. It was the first time I'd lost anybody who was close to me. I was asking people, where has he gone? What happened to my granddad? And they'd say, don't worry, he's just gone to the ground. He's just dead. That's all right. And I was like, no, 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 that's really not all right. So I got scared. And I started going to church for the first time. Now, my family aren't Christians. And I thought that I'd met God. But the God that I met wasn't the God of the Bible. The God that I met was a God who was a bit like a headmaster. So he was somebody who just wanted me to keep his rules. He just wanted me to be really good. He kind of waved at me on Sunday, and he was interested in my soul, but he wasn't interested in my body or the rest of me. That was the sort of God I thought I was following. And all of this added up to the feeling that I was a total mess. I felt like I was Ribena that had been spilt on a white carpet. I was disgusting. I was spilling out. On the inside, I was all messed up. I didn't know who I was or where I belonged, and everything about me was wrong. And on the outside, I felt like I was messy too. And one day, I looked in the mirror, and I decided that the problem with my mess, a word for it, was the word fat. And I was never fat. And it wasn't that I looked in the mirror and I thought... I want to be like a supermodel, or I want to get into a smaller dress size. Fat for me was the word for all of my mess. It was all of the ways that I was wrong on the inside, all of the ways I didn't fit in, all of the ways that I had questions, all of the things that were wrong with me. And I figured that if I could make my body smaller, if I could get rid of my fat, then I could not only clean up the outside of me, I'd be cleaning up the inside as well. And instead of worrying about 101 different things, like what did it mean to be a woman? You know, where did my granddad go when he died? Why didn't anybody like me? Why didn't I fit in? What was the purpose of me? What was the point of me? I only had to worry about one thing, and that was losing weight. And I did that, and I was really good at it. And for a while, I kept it quiet, and it put my family through a real nightmare. I had a younger brother and sister, and the family nearly broke up. It took a long, long time 
for me to lose the weight. And I pretended that I was eating fine when I wasn't, but I got really, really sick. And we finally got some help for me. But the help only focused on one thing, and it just focused on me putting on weight, which is really, really important. If you lose weight, you need to put it back on. But it didn't look at my feelings. It didn't look at all the things I was scared of. So I felt just as messed up as I was before, only I looked a bit better on the outside. And I started having all sorts of other problems. I started washing my hands all the time, and I got really paranoid about germs. I felt like I had to say or do certain things to keep people around me safe, to make everything work. And that's called obsessive compulsive disorder. And then I went through a period where I had loads of panic attacks. I got scared all the time and I couldn't leave the house. I self-harmed. I got depressed and I got sad. And it looked from the outside like, I remember my mom saying, Emma, you have so many problems, this is ridiculous. But it wasn't that I had loads of different problems. It was just that I felt really messed up on the inside and I was trying to fix it. And it came out in lots and lots of different ways. So age of 18, I looked like I was a lot better. I looked like I was a better weight, but I was just as messed up. And I was still that little girl who wanted to be good. So I decided, now I'm going to be really good. I'm going to go back to religion. I'm going to go back to God, but not the God of the Bible. I'm going to the God that I think I know, the headmaster who's all about rules. So I decided I'm going to go along to Bible college. And I worked as a, a children's worker in a church. I got engaged to a guy who told me, first of all, he was going to be a rock star and then decided he was going to be a vicar. And we went to a vicar training college. And on the outside, I looked really good. But one day it occurred to me, we were coming to the end of our time, and my husband was going to go and be a vicar. It occurred to me I was going to be a vicar's wife. Now, vicar's wives are amazing. They're not just like women. They're like superwomen. They can do loads of stuff, but they're also really kind and nice and godly. And that wasn't me. And so I got really scared again. And as I got scared, my old patterns came back. I stopped eating again. Only this time, my mum and dad weren't there to help me to eat spaghetti and to put on weight. This time, nobody could help me because I was a grown-up and I decided that was the only thing that would help. And I got really sick. And it wasn't sick like, you know, sometimes in magazines you see people and uh, they're really thin and they look kind of beautiful and, you know, yeah... it wasn't like that. Anorexia was really ugly. My hair fell out. My nails fell out. I could hardly walk. I remember going to the toilet in my pants and just lying there because I couldn't get up. It was grim. It was really grim. It looked like I was dying. But before I died, somebody else died first. And that person was my granny. You know the granny I told you about a minute ago, the talcum powder granny. I loved her like a lung. She was my best friend. But I was too sick to make it to her funeral. And that night, I sat in front of the fire, the night of the funeral. And you know, sometimes you look at yourself, and it's like you can see yourself from outside. And I looked at me, and I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done with my life? What have I become? I've hurt my family. I've hurt my husband. I've pushed everybody away. I'm dying. I keep saying I'm going to get better, and I don't. And I cried out to God. But I cried out not to the God that I thought I knew. I cried out to Jesus, the God of the Bible, the God who knew me. And here's what I said. I said, Lord, there's not very much of me left, but if you want it, then you can take what's there. And then I waited. And there was no smoke or anything exciting like that. It wasn't like X Factor. I was just kind of quiet. 
and I opened up my Bible where I'd been picking readings from a granny's funeral, and this is what I read. This is a description of Jesus from the book of Revelation. It says, His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. Now, I don't know about you, but all my life I felt like I was too much for everybody. There was too much of me. I was too messy. But here, for the first time, was a God who was more intense than I was. A God who looked me in the eye and said, Emma, love, you think you're intense. My intensity can blow you out of the water. And I read on. And as I read, there were some other pictures of Jesus. The first one was Jesus as a lion, roaring and terrible and beautiful and irresistible and in control. And I always felt like I was out of control. I had to take charge myself. But this God could be trusted with my life. This God knew what was going on. This Jesus could take control. And I kept reading. But there was another picture of Jesus, and it wasn't like a lion. The next picture I read about Jesus said that he looked like a lamb that had been killed. So here is Jesus in control, strong and terrible and mighty like a lion. Everything's in his power. But he's also like a lamb. He knows what it is to be weak. He knows what it is to be broken. And he's a lamb that is broken for me. Jesus knows what it is to feel hungry and anxious and sad and tired and miserable and all of the things that we feel. But Jesus takes those things on himself when he dies on the cross. So I don't have to take them on my body. I don't make myself better. I don't fix myself by getting thin or by being good or by working hard or by anything. Jesus does it all. Jesus has already done it. And I thought I needed to be good for God and I needed to serve him. But you know what? Jesus served me and Jesus serves you. In that moment when I met Jesus, it was as if He said to me, Emma, I see you. I love you as you are, but I'm not going to leave you that way. I don't want your masks. I don't want your apologies. I don't want you to pull up your own socks or try harder. I just want you. In that moment, it was as if a switch went on my head. For the first time, I met someone who was able to handle all of me, who saw me, who loved me, someone who was more beautiful even than anorexia. And I would love to say to you that the next morning I woke up and I was all fixed. You know, I I said to my husband, let's go off and, you know, we're going to KFC or whatever. It wasn't like that for me. Recovery, not just from eating disorder, but from feeling scared and depressed and sad and OCD and self-harm and all of these things takes a long time. But you know what I found that night? I found that Christians are not people who have it all together. Christians are not perfect people who have it all fixed. Christians are messy people. And Jesus is a savior who comes for people who are messy. People like me. People like you. I don't know what your story is. You know, as I, as I speak, you might be saying, well, I'm a good girl, or, you know, I, I've got issues with eating, or you might be saying, I've never had any of those things. That's not me at all. But I know for a fact, because the Bible tells me that every single one of us is messy. Every single one of us feels scared of things. 
feels worried, feels panicky, feels like we're not enough, feels like there are ways that we have got to fix it ourselves. And I don't know what the ways are that you try and fix it, but I do know that only Jesus can. So, wherever you are today, and whatever you're facing, you can come to Jesus afresh. Jesus sees through your masks, whatever they are. No one else might see it, but he does. Jesus loves you right now in your mess. And whatever you're facing, whether it's, you might have been a Christian for years and you're struggling with a particular issue, it might be that you never met Jesus and you want to be introduced. Why not talk to him today? Get real. Say, I've got these things that I'm dealing with. They're bigger than me and I'm scared. I can't deal with them myself. Because you know what? No matter what you're struggling with, you're not on your own. I promise you that. He will help. And there is nothing and no one more beautiful in this world, more scary than, you know, more anything that is, is dark or that feels too much that he is not bigger than. Jesus loves you and Jesus can help you. And the people who are here today can help you too. So I'm going to pray. And in a minute, there's going to be a time where if you want to get prayer for a special issue, or maybe you want to say to Jesus, I want to come back to you in a different way, or maybe you just want to come and get to know him for the first time, then you'll be able to do that. But let's pray together now, and let's ask him to come to us messy people and to help us, because we know he loves us. He knows each of us by name. And whatever we're dealing with right now, he has come for the messy people. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you say, I haven't come for people who are healthy, but I've come for people who are sick. We know that we live in a world that's broken. We have bodies that are broken, and we have brains that are broken as well. We're sorry for the ways that we, we get scared and afraid and angry and sad and lonely and so many other things, and we try and fix it by ourselves. Jesus, we can't fix it. It's too heavy for us. But you already have, and so we come to you now, we pray that you would help us to move forward. We pray that you would help us to talk to the people around us. We pray that we would know you in a fresh way. And we ask that you would be the lion and the lamb for us. We thank you that you have done everything for us, that you see us as we are, that you love us anyway, and that you will lead us forward. Amen. Emma serves us amazingly. What a powerful story. She's just said her blog address is on the screen, so emmascrivener.net. If anything she's talked about today, you feel like you'd like to ask her some questions, obviously you can come and talk to her after the seminar, but also you can um, message her on her blog. Um, I feel like it would be very good for us to respond together, to minister together before we bring uh, our seminar to an end. And I just want to say at the end of our seminar, if anything Emma's talked about today, I, just, I wrote down some of the key key things that she shared from her story that may be relevant for you, you may be walking through in your story. It may be bullying, maybe that you're, you're being bullied at the moment at school or um, online or you're facing just 
a hard relationship that's, that's impacting you, then we would love to pray for you about that. It may be just actually there's big change going on in your life. It may be that, uh, as Emma was saying for her, it was moving house and moving in with her grandma and the impact that that had on her. Maybe there's change going on in your life at the moment that you'd love some prayer for. It may be around your body image, how you view yourself. I'm thinking there's things in you that you need to change and you're wanting to change and it's, it's kind of dominating your thinking. Uh, it might be bereavement. Maybe a loved one has passed away. Grandma, grandpa, parents, friends. Maybe death has come to, to someone that you know and you'd like prayer for. Uh, it might be eating disorders. There's some, some of you struggling with eating disorders today. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, panic attacks, self-harm, anorexia, maybe anything else. I just I highlight those before we go into this time because one of the biggest tricks the enemy pulls is that these kind of challenges, he tries to make us think we're the only ones going through them. So no one will understand we can't talk to anyone about it because no one else is going through this. What Emma's done wonderfully today is show that actually these kind of challenges many people do walk through. And you can find grace and understanding and acceptance in Jesus and actually powerful change as well. So can I just ask us just very quietly to stand to our feet. Before we, in a moment I'm going to ask anyone, and, and these are really difficult topics. And I know for some of us... The, what Emma's talked about today could be stirring some things up. I really want to encourage you, do come and get specific prayer. We really do want to pray for you. Um, okay, so the orange t-shirt guys will be over here, and we'd love to pray for you. So please don't leave without getting specific prayer. If any of those issues are going on in your life in any way, shape, or form, we've got an amazing referral team, guys in green hats, who would love to pray for you as well and support you in this. But before that, I do want to just, just pray for us together. So can I just ask us to close our eyes where we are? The things that Emma's talked about today can seem like they're unbeatable. If you're journeying through those challenges, they can seem so big. But what Emma's done brilliantly is to show us that actually Jesus is bigger. He is bigger. And actually he's bigger than any challenge or difficulty you're facing in your life. And actually the first thing I want to pray for for us all is that we would leave here today and we'd leave New Day on Sunday with a bigger perspective of Jesus, knowing that whatever we're facing... Whether that be friendship difficulties, whether that be uh, anything that Emma's talked about today or anything else that's going on in your life, that you would know that Jesus Christ is bigger. And so, Jesus, we pray. We pray that you would help us to know you as the lion, the one who is roaring over all things, the one who is all-powerful and almighty, who there is nothing bigger than you, there is nothing stronger than you, there is nothing greater than you. Lord, I pray for each one of us that today there would be fresh revelation of you, Jesus, as the all-powerful, almighty God that you are. But also, Lord, the revelation of you who was the lamb that was slain, the one who loved us so much that you were willing to die on the cross so that we could know freedom, we could know life, we could know hope, we could know peace, we could know joy. I pray, Jesus, that those two truths together would really come and sit in our hearts today, that we would know you as the lion and the lamb, the God of power and the God of intimacy, the God who's ruling and reigning over all things, and the God who's at work in our lives in every detail, who cares about us, who loves us. I pray, as Emma was saying, that we wouldn't know you as the headmaster, but we'd know you as our father. We'd know you as the God who cares and who loves and who's interested and involved in our lives, who has made a way for us to be free. I just pray for each one of us, Lord Jesus, that we would know you in that way. And just while everyone's eyes are closed, I felt as Emma was speaking, if, you, if you're someone who really battles with fear, you can be quite fearful of things when uh, you're facing things in life. Maybe even this week at New Day, you've come away from your family. 
you felt really fearful in that. Just as everyone's eyes are closed, I'd love you just to raise your hand where you are. I believe that it's going to take some bravery here to raise your hand, but I think God's going to really bless you as you do that. If there's been fear, you've kind of struggling with fear um, over anything. It could be big or small, um, but whatever it is in that way, thank you for raising your hands. So keep your hands raised. I do feel like as you've raised your hands, I just want to pray a prayer over you. The Bible tells us that because we have a hope that is Jesus, we can be very bold. We can be those that aren't aren't gripped by fear, but we can walk in the power of God. It says elsewhere in the Bible that we've received the spirit of adoption, that we're sons and daughters of God. And that isn't a spirit of fear or timidity, but it's a spirit of boldness. And so, Jesus, I just want to pray for all of these wonderfully brave people who have raised their hands, Lord God, who are saying that fear is something that they're struggling with, that they're battling against. I thank you that the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And I just pray your love to come right now, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your love would come and and comfort them, would come and encourage them, would come and strengthen them, would come and help them, Lord God, to know that you are with them through all things. Lord God, I pray that they would, they would just know you in a way that means that they would feel so secure, Lord God, knowing that nothing can pluck them from your hands if they're in you, Jesus. Nothing can be so big that you can't overcome. And so I just pray for the peace of God over every hand that's raised. The Prince of Peace would come and, and your rule would, would begin to help them, Lord God, to know the victory in Jesus, Lord God, and that your love would cast out fear. In your name. Let's keep your eyes closed just for a moment. Jesus, we pray. You can put your hands down if you've still got them up. Lord, we just ask that you would help us. I want to pray now, Lord. We're going to bring our seminar to an end in a moment. I want to pray, Lord God, for those that are feeling right now like they really want prayer, but they're a bit scared to come forward and get it. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd give them faith. That, Lord God, as they come and get prayer, there's power in prayer. It can break things. There can be freedom that comes through prayer, Lord God. It's such a joy to be in relationship with you. And so I just ask for the gift of faith right now in all of us to respond in whatever way is necessary for us and appropriate for us from what we've heard this morning. Would fear not dictate us? Would our friends not dictate us, Lord? But would you help us to be those that respond in the way that you're calling us to respond? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.